Acts chapter 2, verse 17 says this. And in the last days, it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. So I want to continue a series or a lesson that I began uh, two weeks ago. And that is on desires, dreams, and destiny. It's important to realize that not every dream that you have is from God. You need to know that. Most of the time, our dreams are only the subconscious working of our mind. You know, It's your brain trying to sort things out while you sleep. For example... Maybe you're under pressure to finish a project before a looming deadline. And that night you dream of falling endlessly into a dark shaft. It's probably not a message from heaven. It probably just simply means that you're stressed. You know, I wouldn't read too much into that. And you don't have to have somebody interpret every dream you have. You know, pastor, last night I dreamed I was a giant banana. Can you tell me what that means? No, I cannot. Maybe you're hungry. I have no idea what that means. Amen. (laughs) Praise the Lord. But Acts chapter 2 verse 17 tells us there are dreams, there are dreams which are prophetic in nature, meaning they're inspired by the Holy Spirit. Now I can tell you, That in my lifetime, and I'm certainly not the example for everybody, but in my lifetime, I think there's only been one dream that I had that I believe was a message from God. Now, some people, you know, things like this happen more frequently. Um, So when I was a teenager, I was a Christian. I was a nominal Christian. We were church members. We went to church every Sunday. Uh, But I began to listen to a lot of secular music, hard rock music, along with my friends. We would listen to record albums. We didn't have CDs or anything like that in those days, you know, from all day long, sometimes late into the night. And uh, then we began to, um, you know, emulate, imitate uh, the bands that we liked. And this was something that troubled my mother deeply. So one night I dreamed, and suddenly I saw a large field. Uh, It actually was a a field that existed near our home. And it was like a a wheat field, but the wheat had been kind of cut down or something. And then suddenly I saw a man, uh, a strange man. He was uh, dressed in a dark black tunic, you know, like you would see Greeks wear or something Romans would wear, a tunic. And his hair was uh, black and wavy, had dark eyes. And, uh, and he took off running down a path that was cut into this field. And I took off running after him. And then in the dream, my mother was there and she was running, chasing me. And so the man ran very fast And I was running fast as I could to keep up with him. But my mother, through all the twists and turns, you know, she was lagging behind, falling behind. There came a a fork in the road, so to speak. And the, the man in the dark tunic turned, I think, to the right side. And I followed him. 
But then my mother came up later and she missed the turn and she went the other direction. And in the dream, I distinctly remember seeing her as she's running, looking left and right, trying to locate me, trying to see me. And I remember laughing, you know, at her because she went the wrong way. She missed it, you know. The man in the dark tunic ran over the top of a, of a uh, kind of a, a large dirt hill. And that actually did exist in that field near my house. And he went down the other side. I ran over and came down the other side. And instead of the man in the dark tunic, he had turned into a large bull, like a Mattoon type bull, black with big horns. And he ran toward me and gouged me. And that was into the dream. And I woke up. And I pondered over that. And it was so vivid. It was so clear. And I thought like, that, that's, that's not just a dream, you know, like something I ate or some, some book I read. And as I thought about it, it, it occurred to me, it wasn't my mother who took the wrong path. It was me. And what I was following was the wrong influence. In the end, it's going to try to kill me. And I actually stopped listening to a lot of that music. And eventually, uh, not, not really because of that dream, but anyways, eventually I burned almost all of those uh, records that I had. Hallelujah. So God can speak to us in dreams if he so desires. But let me say again, it's so important that you understand this. Most of the dreams you have are not from God. It's just your own mind. In the Old Testament, dreams were sometimes referred to as visions of the night. We see that like in the book of Daniel, especially other places. And sometimes when you read a passage of scripture, it's, it's difficult to tell whether the person had a dream from God or whether he actually saw a vision. And usually, especially in the Old Testament, usually those who had dreams from God stood in the office of a prophet. For example, in Numbers chapter 12, verse 6, the Lord said, Numbers 12, 6, If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. And in the scriptures, we see that God communicated through a dream to, to different people. For example, possibly even Abraham. The Bible says he fell into a deep sleep. And then there was a, 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 a burning torch and, and an ins, uh, you know, uh, uh, incense, you know, etc. And then that, that may have been a dream. Jacob had several dreams. Joseph, if we could call him a prophet, perhaps, obviously had dreams. Solomon, Daniel, etc. But then it's interesting, occasionally God even spoke to other people in dreams, even though they were not Israelites. God came to Abimelech who was the king of the Philistines. He came to Abimelech in a dream. And it was quite an interesting dream. God said to him, behold, you are a dead man. It's not a good dream. Because you've taken another man's wife. He had taken Sarah into his household. And so when he woke up from the dream, he returned her untouched. Praise God. And then uh, God spoke to Laban in a dream and told him, admonished him, to not harm Jacob. Don't try to influence him, either good or evil, because Jacob had vamoosed. He had quickly run back home. And, and Laban caught up with Jacob and said, you know, I intended to harm you, but tonight God's, your God spoke to me in a dream, you see. 
We know the wise men, the, the, the Christmas story, the wise men were warned in a dream not to return to Herod after they found the Christ child. And so they went home another way. In fact, even the wife of Pilate, Pontius Pilate, had a dream. And she told her husband, you know, have nothing to do with this righteous man. I've suffered many things because of him in a dream. But Pilate ignored her and didn't listen to her. So there's no doubt that God spoke to these people through dreams, even though they were not Israelites. And they were not, they were not a part of the covenant. However, you see, these were isolated events, not regular occurrences in their life. They didn't have dreams from God like every weekend. This was, this, this was probably, in some cases, the only time in their life something like this happened. And it was important because it concerned the nation of Israel, and in some cases, even the body of Christ today, you see. Hallelujah. But in Acts chapter 2, verse 17... God said that he would pour out his spirit on all flesh. And that means Jew and Gentile. That means every nation, everybody. It's available. The spirit of God is available for everyone. And he said, as a result of that, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Whew. So that means now, not just prophets, or influential people like kings or leaders of nations, but even ordinary people who are filled with the Holy Spirit can speak by inspiration in words given by the Holy Spirit. Amen. And he said, your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. But he means as a result of the Spirit of God filling, coming on them and filling them, you know, People dream dreams, even sinners dream dreams, you know, all sorts of things, all sorts of things, but he means by the Spirit of God. Now, that's not to say that visions and dreams are limited to a certain age group. You know, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. So when you get to be 30, you no longer have visions, you start having dreams. It doesn't, it just means, it just means it doesn't matter what your age is. It doesn't even matter your gender, you see. The point is, any spirit-filled believer can experience these things. In the book of Acts, we see believers. We read about believers who had visions and dreams from God. Some saw angels. Some saw the Lord himself. Paul had a vision in the night of a man from Macedonia saying, come and help us here. And again, that could have actually been a dream, something he saw in his sleep. Now, does that mean that God is going to give us a dream every night? No, just like he's not going to give you a vision every day. These things can happen if the Lord wills. If it's necessary, God can do that. And he doesn't need my permission to give you a dream. He doesn't need your permission either. He's God. He can do what he wants to. You can't force God to give you a dream. You can't, I don't think it's scriptural to say, God, give me a dream tonight. I, I don't think I would go there. But if God wants to do this, he can. And I think we should be open to that. Amen? I remember several years ago, a young man came to meet me 
in my office, just behind me, and uh, he wanted to inform me about a meeting that he had planned and asking that I would participate. And so he talked for a little while, and he kind of just sat there after uh, the discussion, and then he said suddenly, may I ask you a question? And I said, sure. And he said, what do you believe about the Holy Spirit and especially about speaking in other tongues? Oh, so we talked for a little bit and I shared with him certain scriptures on the subject of the the baptism of the Holy Spirit and so forth and how that experience is available for every believer. It is an endowment of power from on high. It is accompanied by the evidence of speaking in other tongues. That is a heavenly language and so forth. And so uh, I asked him, you know, can I pray with you, brother, uh, to, to be filled with the Spirit, baptized with the Holy Spirit? And he said, yes. And so I prayed with him laid hands on him, but he did not uh, begin speaking in tongues. He did not receive. And, and so after a few moments, I just sort of encouraged him to stay in faith and to keep expecting that type of thing. And then he, he, he remained seated there. And then he said to me, last night I had a dream. And in my dream, I saw you lay hands on me. And in my dream, I was speaking in other tongues. So when I heard that, I thought, all right, we're going to just redouble our efforts here now. We're not not going home yet. So I I went into the next uh, office, and there was my wife and the secretary, and I called them in, and we kind of, you know, ganged up on him. And the three of us laid hands on him and, and prayed with him. And I think we had to pray a couple of times, but then suddenly he began speaking in other tongues. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So there's no doubt that dream, I believe, was from the Lord. And God sent him here and God filled him. Glory to God. I think these things happen more often than we realize. Here's the problem. The waters have been polluted by crazy people. Screwballs. Some of them don't even know the Bible. You know, they, they don't know, they, they don't, some of them are illiterate. They can't even read the Bible. And they've messed up things so badly that we're afraid to talk about the subject. You know, there's people, there's, and then there's some people who are dishonest. You know, supposedly they had a dream. You're, you're going to give me your gypsy. You know, in my, in my, I saw you in my dream. Yeah, in my dream, I saw you in the central jail. You know, and, um, and so, you know, so it's all messed up. And so people, sensible people, are nervous or afraid of that. But as with anything, we need to rightly divide things by the scriptures. We don't want to go into fanaticism, but we also don't want to go into fear. So I would say to you again, always put the word of God first. So important. See, and if you don't know the Bible very well, then you're susceptible to being deceived or led astray. Hmm? So any dream that you have, I don't care how real it seems to you, If that dream contradicts the Bible, that's not from God. In my dream, I saw myself killing someone. I believe the Lord is telling me. No, no, no. That's not a message from the Lord. Any dream that contradicts the scripture, that dream is not from God. Very simple. Amen? Now, I'm I'm sure that Acts chapter 2 verse 17 primarily basically means that God can give us guidance through visions and dreams. I'm sure that's the the basic understanding. However, oh, 
We're not in poker anymore, are we, honey? <laughs> However, I also believe there's another possible application of this verse. And that is that as a result of the Holy Spirit in your life, God can give you a vision of your future. I don't mean that you see an angel or see Jesus. I mean he can show you his plans for your life. He can give you a picture of the future. I believe that God can put a dream in your heart that has to do with your destiny, where God wants you to be. And those dreams come from the Holy Spirit as well. Can you say amen to that? Hallelujah. In Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21, it says this. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. So not every dream we see in our sleep is from God. And not every dream that we conceptualize in our minds, in our hearts, is from God either. So I have to tell you, God is under no compulsion to fulfill every dream that people have. Some people are dreaming bad dreams, carnal dreams. Some aspirations are not realized simply because it's not God's will for you. It may not be a bad thing, but it's not his plan for you. When I was a, when I was a little boy, I dreamed of being, I don't mean asleep dreaming, I mean I, I desired, I saw myself, you know, that type of thing. I had the hope of being a race car driver. Well, as you probably can guess, I'm not a race car driver. But if you've watched me drive home from church, you might think that that dream is alive. <laughs> <laughs> My wife thinks that dream came true. Praise the Lord. Amen. So people have all kinds of ideas and desires, but it is the purpose of God for your life that will prevail. You see, your dream can turn into a nightmare. I'm not necessarily telling you to chase your dreams. I'm telling you to walk with the Lord and let him share with you his dream for your life. And his dream will benefit you and it will bless others. And his dream is better than yours. Oh, it's too quiet in this church. I said his dream, you don't believe it, but trust me, his dream is better than yours. Praise the Lord. See, he made you. He knows how you tick. He knows, your, he knows you better than you know you. So you may think, I'll never be happy until I move to this country. But God knows that country. God knows the people who live in that country. And God knows you. And if God doesn't want you to go there, you better trust him. He, he, he's smarter than you. Come on, there are a lot of people, in, you know, like Nagaland think, if I could just get a visa to go to this place, and when they get there, they're miserable. Oh, you don't believe me. There are miserable, peop miserable people all over the world. If you want to be happy, you don't have to move anywhere necessarily. You just need to move into the will of God for your life. Yeah. Praise the Lord. 
Amen. So, turn with me to Acts chapter 7, verse 23. Acts chapter 7, verse 23. Acts 7, 23. When he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. So Moses grew up as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And he was educated in all the ways of the Egyptians. He lived a life of privilege. A lot of people would say, you got it made. You know, don't leave Harry, stay where you are. You know, he, he's got it made. I'm talking about Harry and Meghan. And anyways, but one day it came into his heart This is Stephen preaching in the book of Acts. It came into his heart to visit the Israelites. I don't think that means he had a desire to stop by and see how they're doing. Hey, hello, little people. How are you? How's the brick business going? All right, keep at it, guys. You're doing a good job. So nice to be with you today. No. He had a heart desire to help them. It came into his heart to set them free. And where did that thought come from? It came from God. In other words, it wasn't his adopted mother who told him to do that. It wasn't his friends who suggested that. It wasn't because he got through reading a great book, you know, by somebody. God put that thought into his heart. And this was 40 years before the burning bush. Moses was not yet a prophet. In fact, we could say at this point in his life, he did not even know God. God may have put something in your heart from your childhood. God, and you didn't even know the Lord at that time. But, he, but maybe you didn't know him, but he knew you. And he put that within you. God gives dreams to people. However, listen again to this very important point. However, there is a real danger of misinterpreting the dream. Be careful that you don't misinterpret the dream because that's what Moses did. Sometimes God speaks to somebody, he shows them something, and they think it means a certain thing when actually that's not what God has in mind. It's very easy to do that. And so you need to be careful Just because you have a dream tonight about Africa, that doesn't mean tomorrow you should quit your job, buy a plane ticket, and fly to Africa. It may have have something totally different in mind. Are you listening to me? So Moses saw an Egyptian beating an Israelite, and he murdered the man. He killed him. He assumed that the people of Israel would rally behind him, that he would uh, have a coup d'etat, overthrow the oppressive state, rise up and bring the people into political liberation and freedom. But that didn't happen. They did not rally 
behind him. He was not successful. As a matter of fact, the very next day, you know the story, many of you, he saw two Israelites quarreling and he said to, he tried to break them up. Why are you beating your brother? And the man pushed him away and said, who made you a prince over us? Are you intending to kill me like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? They did not. They did not come to his defense. They did not rally behind him. Not everybody is going to agree with your dream. They didn't see what God showed you. See, some people say, well, I have a dream, but my family's against it. God didn't give that dream to them. He gave it to you. Some people are waiting for everybody to agree. That's never going to happen. There will always be people who oppose the will of God. You have to have some courage and say, I believe this is what God wants me to do, and I'm moving forward. Now, again, you know the story. When Pharaoh heard about this incident, he sought to kill Moses. Again, let me say something to you. Kind of a side point. I don't think that Pharaoh was particularly concerned about Moses killing an Egyptian. He's the, he's the son of his, adopted son of his daughter. Pharaoh is an absolute monarch, a tyrant. His word is law. I don't think a man who owns a million slaves is particularly concerned about human rights and justice. People in Egypt were dying all the time, and he's not concerned about it. I am certain that if Moses said, Grandpa, yesterday I lost my temper and I killed a man, Pharaoh would have said, oh, no problem. Happens all the time. What are you having for dinner tonight, grandson? He didn't care about that. That's not the thing. He realized that Moses had switched sides and now was trying to instigate a rebellion. That's why he tried to kill him. He mis Moses misinterpreted the dream. May I say this to you? It occurs to me, some of you think that politics is the answer to all your problems, and I'm standing here to tell you you're wrong. I didn't say we don't need good governance. God knows we do. But if you think that will solve all your problems, you're gravely mistaken. I was in the country of Haiti, which is an island in the Caribbean. You know, when they were asking me about their government and, and, and they're very corrupt and terrible things happening. And, and, and they said in your crusade meetings, why don't you talk about that? And I said to some of these folks, well, why are there bad governments? Bad people. And why are there bad people? Because they're sinners and they're lost and they're separated from God. What's going to change that? The gospel. That's what I'm doing. Hallelujah. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Praise the Lord. Please sit down right now. Amen. So Moses fled for his life in the wilderness. He ran away from Egypt but he could not run away from himself. The dream did not die 
with the man he slew. Amen. Amen. And when he came to Midian, which is actually in modern-day Saudi Arabia today, he sat by a well. And it's very interesting. Seven daughters of one man came to water their flocks. But the shepherds attempted to drive them away. Now, again, why? Water is a very precious commodity in the Middle East. There's not a lot of it. That's why you read in the book of Genesis about different wells that people dug. And because small wars, even in modern times, small wars have been fought over water. So these shepherds want the water for their sheep, not these girls. But Moses rose up and he pushed those shepherds out of the way and helped these seven daughters water their flock. See, what does that show me? He's still a deliverer. It's still in his heart to help the oppressed. It's a part of who he is because when God gives you a dream, it becomes a part of you. And geography and time doesn't change that. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. When the girls returned home, their father was surprised to see them back so soon. That was quick. And so evidently this was an ongoing problem. It happened all the time. And the girls explained, well, a young Egyptian came to our rescue and he helped us. See, by the way, here's another thought. They thought, you can read it for yourself in the book of Exodus, they assumed he was Egyptian. He must have looked like an Egyptian. They didn't say a young Jewish man. They thought he's Egyptian. When that Israelite pushed Moses away and said, who made you a prince over us? That fellow was looking at an Egyptian prince. He doesn't look like me. He, doesn't, he may not even talk like me. He doesn't think like me. Who made you a ruler over us? So this is, I love this part. And there's a thought here. They said a a young Egyptian, you know, helped us. And uh, the father of the girl said, and where is the man? (laughs) See, he had seven daughters. (laughs) And they're living in the desert. Some girls, oh, not the girls here, of course, but down the road or something. Some girls don't have any common sense. Bless their hearts. Maybe the Lord will help you today. Some girls don't have any common sense. You know, you're riding home on your scooter from church and it breaks down and some young, handsome fellow gives you a ride home. And then when he drops off, you just say, thank you. (laughs) Come on, sister. (laughs) You need to say, "Uh, brother, please come inside. My parents would love to meet you. (laughs) So so Jethro, the, the, the man said, and where is he? Where is he? Why have you left him alone? And they were like, oh. So they called Moses. And Moses was was content to stay with him. And the man gave Moses his daughter Zipporah. Now, here's a thought for all of you. 
Moses didn't leave Egypt hunting for a wife. He was running for his life, not for his wife, his life. He wasn't in Egypt going up and down on Instagram. Hey, Midianite girls are good looking. I'm telling you. Look at those Midianite girls. They're nice. No. (laughs) And um, I don't know. But these are real people. Put yourself in their shoes. Maybe Moses as a young man, he's 40 years old now, but maybe he assumed I'm going to marry an Egyptian princess, a member of of the royal family of Egypt. You know, I've got it all figured out. Or maybe, maybe he assumed, I'm going to marry a good Israelite woman. But he actually married a woman from Midian, a Midianite woman. God's thoughts may be different than your own. Praise the Lord. Amen. It's real quiet again today. Praise the Lord. Still talking about our dreams, dreams from God. Forty years later, at a burning bush, God told Moses to return to Egypt, bring the Israelites out. You would think that Moses would have said, finally, I've been waiting a long time. At last, here you go. This is my day. This is my hour. I've been waiting a long time for this. Oh, yes, praise the Lord. Here we go. But instead, he protested and said, who am I that I should meet Pharaoh? You see, he thought it was too late. He didn't have any problem meeting Pharaoh when he was back in Egypt. He's part of the royal family. But now he says, who am I? You see, there is no expiration date on the dream from God. You know, you go to buy, you know, maybe some milk or some juice or something like that or, or some other food. And on the, on the carton, there'll be a thing, best if eaten by this date. Don't, do not consume after this date because it'll perish. But God's dreams are imperishable. Hallelujah. So all those years, 40 years, many of you are not even 40 years on this planet. 40 years, Moses assumed, I blew it big time. I blew it. I ruined my life. And there's no way. There's, don't even think about it. Come on, I'm not, don't, don't even talk to me about that. It'll never happen. But God is a God of a second chance. How many of you have found that out? He's rich in mercy. Hallelujah. And he doesn't give up on us, even if we make a lot of mistakes. The Bible says in Romans chapter 11, verse 29, God does not take back his gifts. He does not change his mind about those he has chosen. God has not changed his mind about you. Come on, that's a good place to shout somebody. We all know people. Well, maybe we don't know too many people, but some people have, give you a gift and then they want the gift back. You know, gave you a wedding gift, the wedding's called off, I want my wedding gift back. You know, the, <laughs> but, but God doesn't take his gifts back and he doesn't change his mind about those he has chosen. Praise the Lord. So for 40 years, God didn't say anything to Moses. He had a dream. Here we are now. I'm 80. No word from God. 
Do not misinterpret the silences of God. Just because he has not said anything to you lately, that doesn't mean there's a problem. Not necessarily. I like something Brother Hagin said. He said, I go as much by what God does not say as by what he does say. Sometimes he doesn't say anything to you because you're fine. You're doing good. So just keep on keeping on. Just keep on going. Amen? Hallelujah. See, don't underestimate the wilderness. Leaving Egypt, going in the wilderness, seems like a step down, a demotion. It seems like a, a, you know, a place for losers, the junk pile, the dustbin. But it's not. Because in the Bible, the wilderness is not only a place of testing, it's a place of transformation. Moses went into the wilderness a prince from Egypt. He became in the wilderness a nomadic herdsman in Arabia. But those years were not wasted years. Moses learned how to take care of sheep in the wilderness. The Egyptians, the Bible tells us in the book of Genesis that to the Egyptians, all herdsmen were abomination. So he definitely, as a prince in Egypt, he did not learn how to take care of sheep in Egypt. He learned that in the wilderness. And he had to learn how to take care of natural sheep so that he could shepherd God's sheep. He learned how to navigate and survive in very difficult situations in the desert because he was going to lead the nation for 40 years in that same wilderness. Are you out there today? And most importantly, in the wilderness... Through his failure, he learned not to trust in his own strength. So when God met him at that burning bush, basically he was saying, this time we're going to do it my way. Hallelujah. Amen. So I want you to know this morning that God neither slumbers nor sleeps. And he's still working in your life to bring to pass and fulfill the dreams and the plans he has for you. I'm gonna read one more scripture this morning from the Old Testament, the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk, I didn't say tobacco, I said Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter two, verse three says this. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. When we are impatient, we are most susceptible to stepping out of the plan of God. Remember the children of Israel got impatient with Moses. They got impatient because he was up on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights And they said, as for this man, Moses, who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what's become of him. Make us a golden calf. Well, they got into big trouble because they were impatient. When you're young, you tend to be very impatient. I'm learning 
God is helping me to learn more patience. Living in Nagaland has assisted me in my development of patience. My wife has learned patience, not by living in Nagaland, but by being married to me. Hallelujah. When you're young, everything has to be right now. Come on, now, now, now. I want it K-N-O-W right now, 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 now. But God does not operate on your schedule. And one day with him is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. You feel like I've been waiting for more than 20 years. But that's like two seconds for God. And compared to eternity, it's not a long time. It's better to be patient than to settle for less than God's best. Hallelujah. One problem is this. We are short-sighted. We are short-sighted. We don't see very far. Moses simply wanted the Israelites to be free from their bondage. That's it. God wanted more. God wanted much, much more. In the wilderness, he made a covenant with those people. He gave them the law. He ordained the priesthood and the tabernacle and the systematic form of worship. They were an unruly mob of laborers. God was fashioning them and molding them to be his chosen people. And it was not enough simply to bring them out of Egypt, he wanted to bring them into the promised land, the place he had promised to their forefathers. Hallelujah. Amen. So in other words, what I'm trying to tell you is the reason things seem to be moving slowly could be that God's dream is so much bigger than yours. And if God just did the little thing that you want, you might be satisfied and that's it. God, God is not content with small things like that. He's got significant things for you to do in this life and he's preparing things. You know, I, I don't know anything about cooking. Don't ask me to cook anything for you. You'll be disappointed. I know something about eating, but I don't know anything about cooking. But I know that sometimes great meals take a little more preparation, a little more time. Hallelujah. So God's maybe taking a little more time with you because something great has been determined and destined for you. So don't get impatient. Just stay with it. Trust the process. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do not discard the dream that God has given you. Your appointed time is coming. Would you stand with me to your feet today? Can we give God praise in the house right now?